0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
1: High in the air!
2: Brito back at the wall! Adios! Pelanta!
1: That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're gonna get. They're gonna get energy, they're gonna get accountability, they're gonna get structure, and they're gonna get support. And I'm gonna bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly.
0: It takes hard work uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's
2: how we're gonna get where we hope and intend to go.
0: You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network.
2: Welcome to episode 129 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy Baggerly. Andy, I'm going to read to you a list of the Giants hitters who have struck out exactly 129 times in Giants history. There's Will Clark, there's JT Snow, and there's Brandon Crawford. So the secret to being a forever giant: strike out exactly 129 times. Clearly, they give gold gloves out based on how many times you strike out. Yeah. Ooh, that is a common denominator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's okay. So Will Clark did it in 1988. J.T. Snow did it in 2000. Brandon Crawford did it in 2014. So those are. Those are pretty good years. I mean, 88 wasn't that special, but it, you know, those are good giants here. So strike out
3: 129 times someone this year, you know, it's kind of funny. If you've just won one gold glove in your career, you can say you're a gold glover. It's like, you can't do that if like you're a hall of famer, you don't have like one, like Brady Anderson isn't walking around saying I hit 50 homers one year, I'm a hall of famer, but you can be, <laughs> but you can be a gold glover one time and you're a gold glover for life. I think that's a pretty cool thing. That is pretty cool. And it's like, they'll show it on the graphic, like the before
2: the game, like especially on uh, NBC Sports Bay Area, they'll have the the graphic where you have all the fielders and you get to see who's won a gold glove. And occasionally there'll be like some 38-year-old in the outfield with a gold glove next to his name. And it's like, eh, I'm not sure that's what that means, but he's a gold glover. That That's
3: right, forever. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it is it's it is something that's interesting to watch on this Giants team. You've got Buster Posey, who's won a gold glove. You know, he snuck one in there somewhere where, where, when Yadier didn't win one. You got Evan Longoria, who's won gold gloves. And, you know, you don't think of these guys as being people who are going to win a gold glove this season. But, I mean, they're still pretty darn good defensive players. And, you know, Gabe Kapler said it a week or two ago that he thinks Longo is playing about as good defensively as he ever has. And I'm really impressed by how he's played when he's been in the shift and had to go up the middle and even turn the pivot on a double play and and looks pretty darn natural doing it. I mean, it's – and and I sort of realized this when I wrote about Evan last week. You know, we take for granted this guy is – you know, there's only like three or four guys in the major leagues who have driven in more runs than he has. Only three or four guys who've played more games than he has. He's been around a long time and been pretty darn solid for a long time as a two-way player. And, uh, you know, it's a long season. People get hurt, but um, you know, especially Longoria and Posey. I think if you had to point to two positives on on uh, the position player side in in April, it would be just how those guys came out of the gate. Yeah, it's it's a weird position, third base, when it comes to Hall of Fame stuff, because for whatever
2: reason, that position is messed with the most. You've got you know Scott Rowland, you have Daryl Evans. It's Ron Santo took forever. You know, Longoria fits in with that crew. Uh, it's he, he might not be a Hall of Famer, might not be a fringe Hall of Famer. He might not deserve anything other than uh, a little bit of consideration at, at the very end. But he fits in with that just steady for a long time, good at everything, doesn't put up eye-popping home run numbers or batting average or the offensive st- uh, statistics. But like his war is up there. He's just every year he comes in and he's just doing excellent things and this is as good as giants fans have ever seen him he's on another level right now
3: yeah and obviously the the big thing is he's got to stay healthy um and then that's that's going to be the trick and you know it's it is kind of funny to think about it the giants have played 28 games and last year that was the all-star break (laughs) if there was an all-star break that's (laughs) That's half a season so we keep referencing back to how good they were offensively last year well, they didn't have to kind of grind through the grind. You know, right now they're about halfway through a 60 game season, but they still got 134 games to go. And, uh, you know, wrote, wrote about this a little bit after Sunday's uh, win in San Diego. Um, you know they've got the best record in the National League as we're recording this. They've they're atop the National League West. They also are probably going to put Tommy Listella on the injured list. We don't know when Donovan Solano is coming back. Longoria's been in and out of the lineup. Crawford's been in and out of the lineup. Um, you know Buster's has been you know maybe their best hitter, but he's still Buster Posey is a catcher in his thirties, and you you can't just stick him at third base or, or or even use him off the bench that much on his off days. So. You know, this is a long way for this group to navigate, and uh, and they're already getting pretty nicked up. And, you know, at least Mike Ostromsky's coming back hopefully soon, uh, they think by Friday. But you understand why they went out and got a Mike Talkman. You know, they already are in, in, in the, the realm where they're thinking, hey, we might need some reinforcements here. Looking for an assist with your credit
0: card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
2: I did the, the power rankings for the National League this weekend, and it, it really got me to notice every team is dealing with weirdness uh, on the injured list. Every team has a you know a bullet pointed list of guys who are out for them. And maybe that's because of the truncated season last year. I don't know what the answer is. Maybe it's just a fluke, but a lot of teams are dealing with this. And for a while, it was it was easy to point to the Giants and say, well, they're prepared for this. You know, Solano goes down. You've got La Stella who can fill in and uh, Yastrump goes down. They have outfielders you can fill in. Right now, it's starting to look a little bit thinner with both Solano and LaStella out. It's going to get, I mean, the Giants had to prepare for this a little bit, but I think that their depth is really getting tested right now.
3: And where they gain a lot of value off their bench, uh, when they can make sort of that mid-game line change, mm. you know, that's predicated on on guys being healthy. They have the depth to plug people in who, you know, aren't just going to be totally overmatched in the big leagues. Um, but by the same token for them to to kind of leverage their strength of their bench you can't have those guys in the in the starting lineup uh, maybe not getting the matchup that you want so um, yeah, as soon as they can get a little closer to full strength, the better. And, it, you know, it, every team is challenged. Every team goes through it. The Diamondbacks are without Kettle Marte, who's probably their best offensive player. The the Rockies probably will be without Trevor Story to start the beginning of this series. And, and they're lucky that he didn't fracture anything in his hand when hit by a pitch uh, on Sunday. You've got the Dodgers on the pitching side are dealing with all kinds of... Of injuries And, uh, and you know, the Padres already had to go without Tatis for a few weeks. So every team deals with it. No one's ever going to feel sorry for you for having injuries, as, as players will all always say. Um, but uh, I, but you're right. I am a little surprised at the number of injuries on the position player side around baseball right now. Because we all expected it to be pretty unpredictable from a pitching standpoint. But, I mean, you've got some star-level players who are out right now. Juan Soto is out right now. Um, Cody Bellinger. Yeah. Cody Bellinger is out for the time being, uh, and uh, uh, look at look at the Pirates, the poor Pirates. I mean, they don't have that much to be excited about, except hey, here's Cabrían Hayes, and he's really exciting. And oh look, he hit like eight home runs in the first three games of the season, or whatever it was, <laughs> and then he got hurt. And not that he's on my fantasy team or anything, as well, but um, but yeah, it's you know, he's out. So you know, it's the, the number of injuries on the position player side. I think to me has been a little bit surprising, Andy. Cabrian Hayes is also on my fantasy
2: team, so uh, I share your pain. Uh, let's have a, a quick moment of silence for what we thought we were gonna get for Cabrian Hayes. No, I it, like you're right. It's the position players who are coming in, coming out that you've got weirdness, it, and it's not all that. It's uh, strained hamstrings or obliques or the injuries you would think you might get when you're like ramping up to a full season. There's a lot of you know Tatis's shoulder. That's that's probably has nothing to do with the 60 game season. But it just feels like baseball in general has to account for a reckoning of injuries. And the Giants were prepared for that. They had a deep 26-man roster uh, on all counts. It but it it it's getting tested. It really is getting tested, and I'm interested to see what they do without Listella and Solano. I'm I'm not sure. Do you think it's Dubon playing more infield? Do you think Jason Vossler comes back up and gets a ton more action. How are the Giants going to navigate this?
3: Yeah, I think Vossler will be the guy they plug in for Lestella as a left-handed matchup. And I do think Dubon will get more time on the infield. And that was part, partly, you know, the, the Talkman move, I think, allows them to put Dubon on the infield a little more. Um, you know, so will they be able to kind of swing the gate and go all lefty to start a game and then switch to all righty like they've been doing? Probably not. They're probably going to have to make some matchup concessions. But I think they'll be able to cover their bases, uh, it will be more important, though, that they get Brandon Crawford and Nevin Longoria back on the field uh, reliably and, and not feel like they have to, you know... Um make a lot of concessions to the, some of the ways that they've been banged up as well. Um, but you know, it's, it's, you go through patches like this and, and you go through patches of the season where, um, you know, you just have trouble putting together a really healthy lineup and you're going to have people playing at less than a hundred percent, probably everybody's less than a hundred percent most of the year in some respect or another. I, I just remember there was one series. I don't remember what year it was, but Bruce Bochy was managing and we were in Atlanta and Aaron Rowand was on the team. Nate Sheerholtz was on the team. It was probably it might have been 2010. More more likely it was a little earlier. But you know we heard that Rowand had some injury and he had to be scratched. And then Sheerholtz had some injury and he had to be scratched. And they scratched like four guys and put out like five lineups in the span of like 45 <laughs> minutes. And, and and Bochy we go in his office and he's you know he's looking at his phone. We walk in. He puts his phone down. He just gives us this blank stare like. I've never seen anything like this, and you just have it. You have it, or sometimes it just hits in waves, and you want your players to be honest and tell you, "Hey, you know, I'm I'm really not good to go," um, because you, you you want them to not feel like you're they're gonna go out there and be compromised. But you also need to just put a lineup together some days, and and. Uh, you know, there are going to be days out of 162 when that's going to be a struggle. And uh, you hope as the Giants go to Coors Field, which is a place where a lot of hamstrings do go twang, uh, that they don't uh, kind of compound their problems with, with having any any other uh, any other injury issues.
2: I'm sorry. I'd like to think that what actually happened is he went into the, the clubhouse and Bruce Bochy put his phone down and said, well, what the hell am I
3: supposed to do? Put Ishikawa out there in left field? <laughs> right. Yeah, let's put Ishikawa in left field and let's put... Uh, oh, I don't I can't know. do that. Let's just slide Uribe <laughs> over and, and put, uh, put, put uh, Edgar Renteria out there and Michael Morse and Cody Ross and all these guys playing out of position. Somehow it'll work out.
2: Now, another thing that I think we have to adjust our expectations for... Uh, It's just overall the offense uh, around the league. So the Giants are hitting 220. They have a 304 on base percentage. They have a 388 slugging percentage. That's a 691 OPS. Not great. You know, that, that's not great. At the same time, the league OPS is not much different than that. And once you start adjusting for Park, the Giants are close to a league average offensive team, which is weird. So just to take Jason Vossler. So Jason Vossler's had uh, just nine plate appearances, but his slash line is he's hitting 250. He's got a 333 on base percentage. He's got a 375 slugging percentage. That's exactly an OPS, uh, adjusted OPS of 100, which means that Jason Vossler's 708 OPS is about a league. League average right now that's where the league's at it's weird and so when you're looking at all these numbers in uh the outfield you have dickerson 211 slater
3: 213 yastrzemski 215 you're thinking sheesh you know make some contact guys that's baseball in 2021 you know it's funny we we haven't had that many opportunities to talk to mike talkman which sounds like a Funny sentence to say. <laughs> it's like a lyric. Um, and 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 once someone pointed out to me that his name is Mike Talkman and that is like the ultimate DJ or or play by play person. Name. Oh, God, I can't yeah. I can't get it out of my head. Mike Talkman. Yes, Mike Talk. Let's go to Mike Talkman with traffic. Um, I'm Mike Talkman right now. As am I. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, we've only gotten to converse with Mr. Talkman twice, and uh, he's very thoughtful. He speaks very measured, kind of deliberate way, and. He'll have this pause where you think he's gonna say something incredibly profound, and then he'll say, "Hitting is hard." And he's <laughs> he's said that whether to us or to Greg Papa on the post game show. I think he's said that like fifty times in three interviews. Hitting is hard, and you know what? He's right. It is hard. It's never been tougher to be a major league hitter, which actually makes what Posey is doing, especially in Longoria, even more impressive, right? I mean, these are guys who who, all this velocity and all this crazy movement and stuff, guys in their 30s who have to, you know, maybe cheat to to get it on top of fastballs. You think that they're just going to be cooked. And, you know, we saw it in 2016 or uh, 18 even. I remember... Andrew McCutcheon, you know, would talk about, man, everybody's throwing 98 now. It's like, and you could tell he's like, this is annoying. This is going to shorten my career. Um, And and somehow Posey and Longoria are are managing to not only compete, but thrive in that environment. But yeah, hitting is really hard. And I think that there are probably some things that baseball is going to have to do. As much as I love the fact that the game kind of organically has fixed itself over the years. It's gotten to the point with these strikeouts that I, I don't think moving the mound back is really what you want to do. I just think that the the dimensions are kind of sacrosanct for me. But I do think there are some other things they're gonna to have to do to make the hitting environment a little a little friendlier.
2: Yeah, I was listening to Mike Kruko on the Murph and Mac show today, and he brought up a couple of good points. He said, first of all, the offense is is lower because you have It used to be the changeup was a real specialty pitch. Hard to throw for strikes. Uh, Not too many people had it. Now everyone has it. Everyone will throw it uh, in a 2-0 count. Uh, They'll spot it for strikes. They'll waste it below the strike zone. Like It's just every pitcher can do that from the closer to the long reliever. And that's freaky. And the other thing he said was that at this point, the swing from the he, he called it the swing from the ass on O2 that everyone does. Uh, those are actually his words. It was very profound. Uh, you know, at some point, there's going to be some diminishing returns on that because there's going to be value in going to the other side and taking what the defense gives you and, and hitting against the shift. Maybe it, it wasn't working a year ago, two years ago. But now that these pitchers are able to just not give in on fastball
3: counts, maybe there is value to a little bit of small ball and going the other way. I think especially if if they see in the minor leagues that some of these rules will work, I think it's double A where they're going to have kind of an NBA illegal defense rule um, where you have to have infielders on both sides or or on the infield dirt, I think, to start. maybe that will lead to some different outcomes and some different approaches and i know that that a lot of the analytic minded people are like well yeah but a ball in play is a ball in play well, well you don't know how a hitter is going to change their approach you know to to maybe choke up a little more and and try to protect and do the things with two strikes that hitters have kind of been taught to do you know uh, for for decades and decades before before now so I mean, yeah, I, I I agree. I think it's it's really painful to watch like the last two innings where that Padres sidearm pitcher threw like forty eight pitches in two innings and was walking everyone, and you know it's just it, that that's not entertainment. I mean, the game has to be entertaining or else you know it's just it's not even going to be worth doing, and you're not going to be able to entice the next generations of of fans. I, I don't blame. Any kids, I don't I won't I will never like pound my fist and say, oh, attention span, you know, if, if young people don't embrace baseball. If all they're gonna do is watch walk after walk after strikeout after oh, home run, okay, now sit back down and now we're not gonna see anything. I mean, we need action. We need action in the sport and you know, we need athleticism. And and to me the most exciting play that happened in Sunday's game was. Was Mauricio Dubon's play up the middle to throw out a really fast Jerks and Profar, and in the sixth inning, and that that was a great, great play. Stepped in front of Wilmer Flores to make it, and uh, and that's the kind of athleticism and the kind of you know sort of things that make you sit up and take notice and cheer, an out when you don't expect an out to be made. Uh, th- that's the stuff that I think is really entertaining, and and we we got to get more of that in the game.
2: Yeah, I I don't want to be Abe Simpson yelling at a cloud. I really, really don't. At the same time, when I think back to the 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 most fun I've ever had watching teams, and yes, you will have, uh, you know, the the Astros and the Dodgers, and they were you know banging each other's heads into lockers in the 2017 World Series. Like that's fun, but the 2014 and 15 Royals that's about as much fun as baseball can give you. That is, so the 2014 Royals, I don't even think they hit hundred home runs in the regular season, but every time they got on base, there was some fast dude there and they were slapping singles all around. They had Aoki, they had Kane. I mean, they, they, once they got to the playoffs, you're talking Terrence Gore. That was really, really fun. And I don't know if baseball can get there, like with all 30 teams. I think that's, that's a relic. That's a 1980s team. At the same time, that's also, fun and I liked watching that team
3: you know it was interesting you had that Royals team and then you had the 2012 Giants who hit the fewest home runs in the major leagues yeah and and people forget that and it probably was their best offense of the three teams that won the World Series because they just they had Melky Cabrera and they had Angel Pagan and they had guys hitting doubles and triples and and uh, um, you know guys getting on base and then you added in uh, Hunter Pence and Marco Scudero and I mean, that was a team that could that offense really uh, be competitive in in 2021? I don't know. It's what do you think? I don't know. And, And part of me, because do you remember
2: the 2015 Giants? I mean, we can just go back there that team was a loaded offensive team that team uh, i believe they led the league in ops uh, or close to it adjusted ops you had uh, posey belt panic crawford in the infield matt duffy in the infield you had an outfield of Yogi Pagan and pence all of them could do something at the plate and they all had adjusted ops's uh, over 100 well over 100 in most cases that was just a fun team to watch and it feels like StatCast, that was when StatCast came in uh, to all the ballparks, and that's when he got the real elaborate shifts, the real elaborate defensive alignments. That's when he had players taking off their hats or checking their back pocket in the middle of a game to see where exactly where they're going. And I think that team's dead forever. Like, I think that kind of team, just gap to gap, built for Oracle Park. I don't see that team coming back regardless of what happens,
3: regardless of the rule changes. I just think that's a relic and there's too much data right now to go back to that. Yeah, I think you make a great point. and And you also kind of it leads me to wonder just how much of a discussion along these lines went into changing the uh, the ballpark dimensions, realizing mm-hmm. that having our ballpark Oracle Park being an outlier. Uh, How much was that turning into a disadvantage given where trends were going in the game? I I, I have to believe that was a big part of the discussion.
2: Yeah, no, that makes a great point because last year you saw the confidence with the especially the left-handed hitters. Maybe it wasn't all confidence, but I can't argue against that. Against what Belt did and Crawford setting a career high in slugging percentage. It, I'm I was skeptical about the ballpark dimensions. I really liked having a freaky unicorn of a ballpark, uh,
3: but I, I can't argue with the results, and I, I think I'm on board now. Yeah, I'm looking at the 2015 Giants because you piqued my interest, and um <laughs> yeah, boy, Casey McGee was on that team. I forgot all about that. Uh, who uh, exactly? Who? Yeah, that doesn't ring a bell.
2: Yeah, (laughs) that was was a frustrating, frustrating team. Uh, But it was because the pitching wasn't quite there and Giants fans were used to pitching. You know, that was the Giants. You had Lensicum and Kane and Vogelsong and and Sanchez. And and you were just used to good pitching. But you had Madison Bumgarner and Pray for Rain, basically. Uh, I guess Chris Heston had that great season. Um, But yeah, that was that was a
1: weird team in the middle of that uh, postseason every other year run. The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: So, what do you think the identity of this team is? I mean, can we figure that out after um, one month? I mean, imagine you know what we thought about last year's team and, and how you know how surprising they were offensively, and that was the story of the season. Uh, You know, and a bummer that they finished basically one game short of of sneaking into an expanded postseason. But, I mean, like like we said, we're halfway to uh, pretty much a 60-game season right now. And if the patterns were to hold, we'd be talking about how great the pitching was and, and how surprising the pitching was. It'd be the story of the season. And, and uh, you know, but, but now we got 130 plus more games to go. We don't know how many of these trends are sustainable, which ones, um, which, you know, which maybe team strengths haven't emerged yet. Um, do you think you have a, a, a good handle or can we say we have a good handle on just what, what the strengths and weaknesses of this Giants team are going to be? when it's all said and done I don't think so
2: because I've written two articles already about you know any any minute now the giants are going to start hitting and here's why and I present you know this very detailed list of statistics and I have my I have my facts behind me and the giants will make me look like a ding dong that very next day I mean they just they aren't hitting they aren't barreling balls uh, I mean they are barreling balls up but they're just not scoring runs they're not uh they're not sending runners around the carousel it's it's all or nothing it's got to be a home run if they're going to score uh, I I think that's a part of the equation right now. This is a team that needs the home run to score and against the really best of the best pitchers. You saw it a little bit with the Marlins because they have some excellent starting pitchers, but against the best of the best, whether it's uh, Walker Bueller or Clayton Kershaw or Mark Melanson, they're going to struggle because those those guys are too good to give up home runs, three-run home runs. I mean, you would, you're would you just not going to see them give up three-run home runs that often. So the Giants maybe are going to need to figure out how to get on base more, how to put the ball in play more, how to hit the single occasionally, the double, please. I mean, it's it, that sort of thing is their identity right now. <laughs> <laughs> and i think i think they'll snap out of it but again they've maybe looked like a ding dong before
3: <laughs> double please look like to order a double <laughs> please just a double double please and if you don't give me a double then i will have to order a double to drown my sorrows oh well you know what
2: i haven't had a double double in about 14 months i'm uh two weeks vaccinated as of tomorrow maybe i'm maybe i'm just gonna go and get a dang double double that sounds really good right
3: now you know i have to say my personal discipline isn't always there in what I put into my body. but <laughs> I will say that I live within walking distance of an in and out. I could probably Oof. walk out my front door and be at the in and out in 10 minutes and I have not gone to the in and out once through the entire pandemic, not once. Yeah. so I am and at this point it's almost like a point of pride like yeah, I'm resisting you but <laughs> they're also delicious. and if I had to spend like like I don't know, um, six months in like Japan or someplace. If I came back, I would probably hit up that in and out before I even made it back to my house. So, yeah. oh man. Uh. Good, good to have there. It's almost like a food security blanket that it's right there. So close.
2: You know how much I like in and out burgers? I will have exactly one of their French fries just to have a, an
3: In-N-Out burger. I was going to say the fries are garbage. We, we must, <laughs> so I mean, it's, bad. <laughs> it's a cliche take, but they're so dry and starchy. They're not good. I don't understand
2: it. It's like, it. Uh, why, it's like, that. that is a stubbornness I cannot figure out. Like who is just saying, no, no, no. Keep them garbage, keep them garbage. That's
3: our brand, that's our brand. Like it, it keeps the lines manageable. Come on, keep them garbage. We'll sell more animal style sauce to, so people have something to put on them because they're so dry (laughs) and bad i I love the i love the crinkle cut fries um give me uh give me the, the crinkle cut i'm a sucker for like all fries
2: like i'm not wild about sweet potato fries uh but i like i'll do steak fries i'll do crinkle cut i'll do curly fries i just fry up a potato make it completely unhealthy and salt it up and give it to me and i am a sucker for it and for some reason the best burger that's available to me on
3: a regular basis just has the very worst Friday. <laughs> uh, wh- where do you fall in, uh, on tots? Where, where did tots rank for you? Oh, tots. I'll, I'll have tots for breakfast. I'll have tots for lunch. I'll have tots.
2: <laughs> I, I mean, my wife woke up to at like one o'clock a couple weekends ago and I just have like a, a baking sheet of tots in the oven because I'm a child. Uh, I'll, I'll eat them plain. ketchup, up ranch. Uh, whatever tots. I love tots. Give me tots right now.
3: Yep. You know what? Um, uh, I, I enjoy. Uh, I've seen on the road. I, I remember when I used to go on the road. Uh, there were ballparks that have totchos. They're nachos, but instead oh. of chips, you get tots. You got to eat them fast though, because when they get soggy, they're 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 no good. Um, and uh, we got we had a recipe one time, and you can actually do this. You take the frozen tater tots and you put them directly into your waffle iron, and you just make a waffle out of the tots, and it and it works. <laughs> I mean, I will say that we only made it once because... Cleaning that waffle iron is no fun. After it is enough of a barrier to entry. If I had someone I could hire to like clean the waffle maker, I then I would have it like every day. But but yeah, the the tot waffle is worth trying at least once. Tot waffle. I mm-hmm. boy, that's a careful kind of thing.
2: Um I would do that. I don't have a waffle iron. I am now thinking about just like purchasing one on my like my phone. That's the danger. I can order one while I'm
3: talking to you on my phone. Have it here by tomorrow. You can order a waffle iron that makes waffles in the shape of the death Star so you could make a, t- a taut death Star waffle oh
2: man all right my I think you're gonna get me <laughs> in, in trouble I think you're gonna get me in trouble uh, all right you know before I go Amazon I'm writing right now <laughs> uh, before we go I am going to write about I am writing about Tyler Rogers today and I'm just sort of going into all the StatCast stuff. I mean, he's just allowing the softest of the softest contact. And when I'm writing something on a Monday morning and I, I talk to you, I like to pick your brain about it so that you can do some of my work for me. Um, <laughs> the, so the he is obviously leading the league in appearances this year. He led the league in appearances last year. Uh, the record for most relief appearances through 28 games is 18. It's shared by 11 pitchers. Uh, you're not going to be surprised to know that there are three giants you're definitely not going to be surprised to know that two of them were on the 2004 giants felix rodriguez and matt herges uh felipe lu uh a lot of contributions to baseball but he was a little weird with his bullpen at what point do the giants uh, you know have to dial tyler rogers back i think it makes sense a lot of the times when they put him in but he's at 16 appearances now and i think he's on pace for like a hundred or something like that that's not sustainable right at what point do they
3: settle on the alternate eighth inning guy well i think there's two kind of considerations the most important one is obviously tyler rogers's arm and his health and you know the way he pitches We always think about taxing an arm, but it's really taxing the whole body for him. I mean, if anything, the rest of his body probably gets taxed even more than his arm does because there's so much that he has to do in terms of his... I mean... Think of his back and what it takes to warm right. up and throw the way he does. I mean, let's hope he stays healthy for the rest of his career and, and then through his second career as a firefighter who, you know, saves people's lives and is awesome and, and and everything. But, you know, if he does get hurt at some point, I would say dollars to donuts that it's gonna be his back before it's his arm. And we've seen that with other pitchers who have Kind of unique deliveries. I mean, Tim Lincecum. It wasn't an arm injury that took him out. It was his back and his hips. So you know, I, I think that that's obviously the main consideration. The other thing is you probably want to reduce his exposure and make sure he remains unique to uh, to opponents. You know, you, you don't you don't want to show that sort of trick pony off all the time, or else people are gonna start to get a handle for for how to approach him. And um, that the novelty is less of a novelty the more the more you you see it. So. Um, yeah, I, I do think it's going to be imperative that they do find some other people who can step into that role. And, you know, Wandi Peralta is a the guy they were using in the late innings while well, they traded him. Uh, you know, we do know at some point they'll, they'll have, uh, John Brebbia who maybe could, could slide into that role. Um, but you know, it's going to be a while before we see him and they're probably going to have to have somebody else step up, whether it's Zach Littell or whether it's, um, you know they, they get Matt Whistler confident and, and right again um, but yeah you're right it's it's uh, it, it's not super sustainable that Tyler Rogers is going to appear in 100 games um, as much as the ghost of Mike Marshall would say uh, <laughs> what 100 games I, I that was in 100 games and through 200 innings it's just not something you see in today's in today's baseballing so to speak Might be his back. All right, slow down a little bit. All right, so might be his back.
2: Uh, (laughs) See, limiting exposure. No, that's all great stuff. I mean, that's exactly what I was, like, concerned about because his strikeouts are down. He's missing fewer bats this year. At the same time, he's allowing just the weakest of the weak contact. And I I wouldn't say that that's a fluke. I think that there is something there. You're seeing just hitters be uh, completely befuddled when they face him and and it results in weak ground balls, the double play when he needs it. But if they keep seeing him, you know, if Mike Mustakas keeps seeing Tyler Rogers, is he really going to swing at a change up at his face? I don't think so. And he literally swung at a changeup that was at face level. And I've seen a lot of Pablo Sandoval stuff and like I've never I don't remember Pablo Sandoval swinging at a face level ball that often. Uh, So it once you start seeing him, I don't think Mike Stokas is going to swing at that ball
3: anymore. Yeah, it's it's that sort of I don't even know what he calls the pitch that sort of just keeps keeps rising, keeps rising or at least looks like it's rising. Uh, to the point where it's right at the chin of a left-handed hitter and he was throwing it to righties as well to get them to you know to chase and Kevin Gossman told him a few weeks ago dude you're going to throw that to a lefty and you're going to hit a lefty batter in the face and the thing is he's probably going to swing at it too and then like not a week later Mike Moustakis gets a pitch he starts his swing and is like oh no that's coming for my grill and uh, and bails out as he swings and that was it it was the face ball to a left-handed hitter that he swung at, just like Kevin Gosman said. and that's that's, I think, pretty neat because these guys have been around a long time. They can see the shape of pitchers uh, of pitches and how hitters are going to react to them. And I, I just think it's it's really unique that Kevin Gosman could kind of predict that that was going to happen. And in fact, it 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 kind of did. I actually have your tweet embedded in this article uh, where you're <laughs> quoting Gosman.
2: So I think I need to give you a double byline on this. Oh, uh, nice. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. Um anyways, no, I really do think that getting that eighth inning alternative to Tyler Rogers is going to be the next priority. I think that's almost like why Camilo Doval has been put in these situations, why they were throwing Gregory Santos out there in those high-pressure situations. They're just desperate to find that guy.
3: Yeah, and maybe they'll cycle through a few more. You know, they got Latell up now. They've got Nick Tropiano down there at the alternate site, or, or at least going to go to AAA soon. So, yeah, they, they have more places they can pivot to, but you also would rather start with the guys you have on your 40-man roster so you don't have to make other 40-man moves, which is, I think, another reason why We've seen Duvall and Santos and maybe we'll see a curving Castro before too long. All right. This has been episode 129 of the bags and Brisby podcast.
2: Uh, When we come back on Thursday, we will know what the giants did in Coors field which has been a traditional house of horrors for them. So this is actually, I'm more interested to see the Giants in Coors Field than I almost am to see the Giants against the Padres or Dodgers. I think this is just as much of a test as as the, the top teams in the division. And you know what else we've got coming up on Thursday, Grant? What's that? Willie Mays' 90th birthday. Willie Mays' 90th birthday. Yeah, I am going to be at the ballpark for the first time on Friday, and I absolutely cannot wait. I've been patient. I waited for my two weeks after my second shot. Going back. Going back, baby. Nice. Excellent. Well, enjoy it. All right. Well, we will be back on Thursday. Uh, Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you then.